Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast. I'm your host, Grace Osba. Trauma can be embedded in our bodies, as pinpointed by my previous guest, Biodubang Boye, on our last episode. Today's conversation is with an experienced psychotherapist, Sharon Anderson. We will be discussing trauma and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. She's been a psychotherapist for 15 years. She's a supervisor. She has her own practice and is an accredited member of BACP, which stands for British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapists. Welcome, Sharon. Hello. Hi, Grace. Nice to be here. Today, we are having a conversation. We'll be talking about trauma, like I said. So, what is trauma to you? Right. Um, to sort of talk about clinical, clinically, when we talk about trauma, I mean, it, it's a kind of, um, the word trauma comes from the Greek word, which means wound. So, for us in counselling, we see tra- trauma as a kind of psychological wo- wounding. Um, which has come about through some event or somebody witnessing an event. And it could be something to do with wartime, which is quite common with veteran post-traumatic stress. We have issues of domestic violence, child abuse. It could be a car accident. Or it could even be acts of terrorism or state abuse. Um, And what will happen usually is it it impacts the person's psychological comprehension of what's going on. They feel overwhelmed. And their immediate response really is, is um, the fight or flight, is to avoid it, to block it out, to shut it out. And this is the brain's way of help, helping you survive. Um, we know um, through research that with time, the brain you know, is a great survival machine. It, it tries to push things back in, in a way that it manages that traumatic event, but for many people, they haven't managed to go through the pain or the recognition of it. They haven't got the resilience. So what will happen is they start to develop post-traumatic stress. And post-traumatic stress can come about quite um, soon after the the traumatic event, or, which in many cases that we see in counselling, it can emerge years later. They've just completely suppressed it, and then years later, things start happening. They can't make sense of them. And then it's almost as if the trauma is trying to come back. The reason why it's trying to come back is it wants to be healed. It wants to, to, to sort of like bursting up, you know, assist. It, it needs to be healed. It needs to get out. Thank you. I was actually going to um, talk about um, clients carrying wounds of trauma, abuse and neglect. These dynamics don't just impact their current relationships with partners, family members, friends, and co-workers. They can also play out in the therapeutic relationship, which you've just analyzed. So would you want to talk more about this, playing out in the therapeutic relationship? Well, I think with the, with the therapeutic relationship, um, what we try to do, the first thing we, we try to, to establish in therapy um, before any methods or interventions is the relationship. So we try to create a relationship which um, enables the, the client to feel safe, to feel understood, to feel heard, 
and to feel contained so that they can manage to to talk about anything um, and things that, that may come up um, should come up in a place of safety and connection. What will maybe will happen with traumatic um, with clients with trauma or even post traumatic stress is it will take more time for that relationship to develop, for that trust to develop. Um, and it's almost in the relationship with with the therapist, they shift in the relationship to themselves. So once they start to relax more and to open more, things may start coming up. But initially, you may find them avoid things. They will talk about different things, or they will intellectualize. They don't want to dig deep into the emotional area because... Either they've completely cut off from their emotions, they're confused by their feelings, or they may feel judged. Um, so you will find um, a client who has post-traumatic stress or a history of post-traumatic stress that you really have to work on the relationship more than the techniques that, that is- you that is yeah. quite correct, Sharon. Uh, the therapeutic alliance, they have to feel contained safe in a safe mm. space. And then not necessarily uh, in the first session, because for the first session is contracting, getting to know mm. your clients. Information gathering. Yeah. Yes, information ga- gathering. And then probably, possibly when you have the second not necessarily the second, possibly the third or fourth session, they start opening up. And then you are able to kind of analyze or dive into the essence of how um, deep the trauma your your client has gone through, if I'm right to say that, because that's what um, mm. has um, transpired when I had clients with uh, who has gone through abuse or neglect, and they have kind of, you know, had... Um, trauma embedded in them for years so for me to kind of be able to elicit the right responses i have to build a trusting relationship with them and it doesn't just happen overnight it might be the third or fourth session like i said earlier on and you know uh, talking about trauma we have about uh we have different types of uh post-traumatic stress disorder and we have different symptoms. Are you? I know you're aware of that. Do you mind me talking a bit about yeah. that? Well, I mean, symptoms can range from, um, I suppose, the kind of classic way they may um, develop panic attacks, panic disorders. There may be forms of depression. Um, they, they, they could even... Um, you know, it's very much in the body. They could literally, they could also feel very distant from themselves. They could start dissociating so that there is a kind of strange sense of reality. Um, and, and all of these behaviors, in a way, are, are the body's way of avoiding the trauma because they don't know how to cope with it. They don't know what to do with it. It's just like an alien body. So they practice a lot of avoidance. Um, there's a very a famous book called The Body Keeps a Score because a lot of trauma becomes psychosomatic it goes within the body so you could impact on your sleeping it could impact on your sleep the way you eat you could overeat um, and you may develop addictive behaviors drug alcohol or even in relationships 
And you may also find yourself, um, which we found in domestic violence incidents, that the, um, the person who is traumatized will trauma bond with, with, a, with an abuser. Um, and there's a sort of a, a, a psychological kind of need that you're, you're seeking out a trauma because you're familiar with it. You can't make sense of it. Um, and you're trying to repair it. So a lot of behavior, the which it doesn't seem rational, but it is the person's way of trying to respond or cope with the trauma. Okay. So, um, for trauma bonding, it's an emotional bond with an individual that arises from a constant pattern of abuse and is often perpetrated by irregular reinforcement through rewards and punishment. For example, you feel very close to someone even though you're not or you've not known that person for a long time. That's exactly what you just uh, described. Mm. So, in terms of a trauma, I think it's, it, we could say, like you earlier mentioned, it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be psychological, and, you know, like you rightly said, there are signs, like for, for emotional, you feel a sense of sadness, anger, you feel denial, fear, shame, guilt, which leads which sometimes leads to nightmares, insomnia, and uh, difficulty with relationships. And when that happens, the, the person has excessive um, outbursts, emotional outbursts, like, you know, weeping excessively. Maybe something triggered it and they just start crying. And then we have physical symptoms like nausea, dizziness, headaches, bodily pains, changes in appetite, you know, altered sleeping patterns, and mm. maybe mm. Uh, bowel problems. And then for psychological, like you've rightly said, uh, we have PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. And when they have um, post-traumatic stress disorder, they have depression, anxiety, they might abuse substances like alcohol or drugs, but not all traumatic, not but not all traumatized persons develop PTSD. Do you agree with that? Yeah, well, they sort of talk about you know, the the, the research on trauma will say you know trauma it, itself is is a react when you are traumatized, you're reacting to an event. It, it, it's time specific. You know, there's a war situation, there's a car accident, there's um. An unexpected death. There's a, a physical, emotional abuse. It, it's it's a traumatic event. Post-traumatic stress is not is what lingers. It, it, it's what happens when the wound, the trauma wound, is not healed sufficiently. Um, for example, it may take you a month, three months to get over maybe a war situation, or but but you're going through the pain, you're processing it, and it's becoming sort of part of your history. With post-traumatic stress, you didn't. You didn't heal the wound. What you did is you buried it deep, deep down inside, whether in the body, in, 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 in the mind. And you don't do it deliberately. What happens is that you may not have the resilience because of your past history, the way you, your own coping mechanisms. You may lack all those things. Um, and in fact, we have a list of people that protective factors that stop you from developing post-traumatic stress. 
And there would be um, continuous contact and support from important people in your life, disclosing the trauma to, to loved ones, identifying as a survivor as opposed to a victim, facing, finding positive meaning in, in, in situations, and helping others in their healing process. So that, um, and the research shows that people that have been in groups that have been in traumatic situations react differently to it. Um, those that have no um, resilience, low resilience, probably adverse childhood experiences will have more likely developed post-traumatic stress than those who've had a, a better support system, developed resilience, uh, have got hope for the future, a lot of positive things going on around them, and feel supported and understood. These people will have processed the immediate trauma, but they will not go on to develop long-term <coughs> symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. You're quite right, Sharon, because mm. um, like you've um, actually said, this leads to us talking about the different types of uh, PTS, PTSD. You know, like you said, there's the normal stress response, which uh, occurs when healthy adults um, who have endured a past uh, or one-off one traumatic event during recent past. They experience emotional numbing, dissociation, isolation from loved ones. And like you said, it heals quickly in a couple of weeks. But when you have the second uh, type of PTSD, which is the acute stress response, it is more severe and characterized by panic reactions Cognitive issues, distrust, inability to maintain self-care, uh, work and relationships. And often, um, treatment like medication, antidepressants, uh, is normally prescribed. And it's a place of safety. And counseling comes into play, therapeutic interventions. Then we have the third one, which is the uncomplicated PTSD, which is a result of experiencing a singular traumatic event, not uh, multiple, but repeated instances of same trauma. And this is one of the easiest PTSD to treat. And you can use uh, CBT, which is a cognitive behavioral um, therapy. I think you're, you, you, do you use CBT for your interventions, Sharon? Yeah, I mean, just what you said, that if the event is just a one-off and it seems to be quite an uncomplicated trauma, um, you know, not the sort of going on and on throughout life, abuse, childhood abuse, domestic abuse, then it's easier to treat because, A, it's easier for the um, client to be aware of what happened and they could focus on that. And basically what they want help with is... Um, processing it so what we use in cbt is the kind of image of tidying up the cupboard really that everything seems to be in a mess in, in, in your mind and you can't quite work out what happened and what you were feeling so through the process of um of them sort of um going through sort of cognitions and and thinking more clearly they're able to sort of move on and separate themselves from the event but also process whatever pain and the stress that it caused them. So, I mean, CBT is more of what I would call, um, it, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a good response to more uncomplicated forms of trauma. 
So do you agree that it's a quick fix? It's it's a fix for the type of trauma that needs fixing, as in it's a one-off and and it was rather shocking and, and, and they've come to kind of share that experience with, with, with somebody who can listen. You know, there's still a lot of listening in, in terms of interventions and therapy and making sense of what happens because sometimes they simply can't make sense of what happened. They're all sort of confused. So with the cognitive behavior, we can look at it rationally. We can go through the steps and they start to feel as if they processed it and they've made sense of it, which is really important for them. So in that, it is, it is a, quick it's it's a fix that helps more simple um uncomplicated traumas thank you sharon i don't normally use uh cbt in my therapeutic interventions i use um other interventions like uh, the ssp mm-hmm. but i'll talk about that in uh more detail when i talk about the next type of um ptsd which is the Comorbid PTSD, which is associated with at least one other psychiatric disorder, such as anxiety disorder, GAD, general anxiety disorder, SAD, um, which is uh, a seasonal disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and also apart from um, anxiety disorder, we have depression, we have substance misuse, uh, and altogether. These are not treated in isolation, but they are treated together. So, and also after the, we have the complex PTSD, referred to as this disorder of extreme stress. This is very severe, and it presents in persons who have um, endured intense and prolonged periods of abuse, like verbal, physical, or sexual abuse, and mostly the three put together and such people experience what we call borderline disorder antisocial personality disorder behavioral difficulties which include impulsivity emotional issues eating disorder like um, anorexia bulimia cognitive problems and substance misuse so the, like I said earlier on, the therapeutic um, interventions I normally use is the SSP, which is the Safe and Sound Protocol. And this was developed by the world-renowned scientist, Dr. Stephen Porges. Here we use the auditory system. And it directs connection to the nervous system to restore the brain and and body's ability to find states of calm. So the the essence of using this uh, intervention is to make sure the client is calm and safe and they are able to regulate. And whilst doing this, it reduces the stress amount of stress the client is experiencing. And it also makes them um, sensitive. Using this also helps them to engage very well in terms of communicating very well and being sociable. That is social engagement and also fosters resilience, being able to cope with, you know, diverse um, situations. When we use this technique, it 
enhances uh, improved communication and successful therapy. So I don't know whether you've used it before. Have you, Sharon? No, I haven't used that, but I'm very interested and um, I'm the work of, of Stephen Forges because um, he started to um, shift a lot of um, the treatments towards um, more... Well, he took on the whole idea of the mind, the polyvagal system, and that we have biologically, we have, you know, this need for safety, safety first. So when someone's in traumatic, post-traumatic stress, all they're thinking about is safety. They avoid everything, every outside stimulus. So what he wants the therapist to do is to be very, um, he wants the therapist to really connect with that client so that client's whole system called the polyvagal system starts to relax and open up. Otherwise, the client will be in a state of fight or flight or freeze and they will not open up to you they will not feel safe they're not doing it deliberately but the body it's it's so you know we've got to think of trauma as a very embodied condition it's not just in the mind because your mind will play tricks on you and you'll think oh, i'm okay or what's going on and you'll you'll avoid situations because the instinct is to avoid pain but i know that stephen forges is really at the moment um on the cutting edge of some of the treatments for trauma post-traumatic stress at this moment i mean there's also the emdr treatment that was very popular that is used with um the id desensitization movement which is again not using any talking but really getting the clients to to to, to use body kind of um responses so a lot of treatments i i actually think for me when i work with a client as well as the actual talking cure I always ensure that they're developing their own sense of well-being, whether it's through walking, yoga, practices that they can focus on something positive and that builds up resilience. So it's not the focus continually on, on, on the trauma because we have to be careful not to trigger them, you know, to sort of keep them balanced. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, this treatment seems very interesting that you've mentioned and, and I'm probably going to have, you know, I would definitely have a look into it. Could refer some of my clients that are struck? maybe it would benefit them. You're quite correct. You know, the safety first is quite vital for the client who's gone experienced neglect, abuse or trauma. And, you know, there are also other things we can use for the treatment, uh, like mindfulness mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, meditation, you know. I've noticed that uh, with some of my clients, they prefer to use mindfulness, maybe uh, using the five senses, the auditory, the sight, the taste or tactile touch, you know, mm -hmm. and, yeah. uh, you know, they practice it for, say, 20 to 30 minutes every day inter intermittently, and it does help calm them. And uh, they go out, go for a walk, you know, by a river or waterside, which is quite calming for them. I've had... Um, clients come back to me and say oh mindfulness was quite useful then it was you know was able to help them think it was able to help them reflect on a lot of things so do you use mindfulness yes yes um i'm, I'm starting my masters in mindfulness actually I've, I've used it a lot the the point of mindfulness for me with with trauma clients is this that they need to feel you know when if they're going to start dissociating, if they're starting to talk about their trauma, we need to ground them. It's very important that they're grounded. So 
um, even before they leave the, ther the therapy room sometimes, I would do a little mindfulness um, sort of um, pause with them, really. So they'll sort of sit there and be aware of what they're touching, what they're feeling, what they're hearing. You know, we do that thing, three things you can hear, four things you can yeah, touch. That's correct. And what it's actually doing is it's slowing the the mind and, 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 and calming the, the, the polyvagal system that, that Paul just talks about. Yeah. That sense of calmness and and feeling in the moment, in the here and now, so that you don't start disassociating and, and you need to quite know where you are and you, you're feeling all raw and shaken up inside. So, yeah, mindfulness is, is definitely um, one of the recommended, and, and my experience, it has worked. Um, and you find a lot of clients saying, oh, what for? What? It's a bit silly. What am I doing? That's, and what they're doing is they're not used to that stillness. They're finding it quite strange. They're always used to being buzzy and moving and rushing. So when you ask them to be still, it's almost like, well, you know, they're, they're, they've got that hurry up, hurry up, drive, hurry up, hurry up, what, 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 what? And, and they will burn out. You need to say to them, whoa, yeah? You know, as a child, 10 minutes was a lifetime. You know, you, were, you live in the moment, but now you're not. You're living always future, future, forward, future, forward, or you're ruminating over the past. But, Let's let's be in the now for a little while. Let's just sit here in this moment together, and you know, you just see the the, the body just trying to sort of feel like okay, and just simple things like touch, you know, physical, hear, smell, just getting them to use the senses and and switching off, you know, the intellect for a bit. You're quite right, and I I also use the breathing exercises, the aha. The aha therapy, when you mm -hmm. suck in your breath, yeah. hold it, and then breathe out, exhaling with a whoosh. It does help. I've had mm -hmm. um, people come back and say, oh, gosh, they never knew such things existed, but it's quite calming for them. Do you know what, Grace? There's so much on the internet. I mean, you know, I'd like to tell people today there's a lot out there to, 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 to resource yourself. You know, there's a lot on breathing, calming breath, you know, for the, you know, getting the one of the most you have that tool in your hand is to use your breath we do it a lot in yoga some of the clients start yoga just with the breathing and these are all part of the well-being so we've got the therapeutic um repairing the trauma part and then we've got the well-being part so they so it's like a two-pillar approach yeah so it mainly sort of western psychology and more eastern holistic treatments even if they go and get a massage get reflexology doing things that keep them in the moment and, and get, get reconnected with their bodies again. But, you know, but um, definitely breath work. Yes, breath work is quite yeah. um, phenomenal. And it does yeah. a lot of healing too. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Sharon, for, you know, coming to talk about trauma and PTSD with me. And I hope to see you in the next episode. Thank you for joining yeah, us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Grace. Thank you for inviting me. And also, you know, if any other area they may want to, to um, you know, listen to or they, they have um, interest in, you know, they could let you know and you could create another sort of um, event, you know, where you're bringing in somebody to talk to. Would you like to share your, um, um, your address or social media uh, platforms, please? 
for me personally. Yes, please. If no, I, I just use my email address because I work for a charity at the moment, so I'm not um, on. I'm not using social media as such. That's why I'm supporting you. But what I will do is, um, you know, I'm I'm out there, you know, helping people in the community with charities on the ground, getting a lot of face to face work still. Um, and what I'm trying to encourage people to do, because I know because of the pandemic, which is another trauma, a lot of people are not any, doing any face-to-face work. Um, so I'm the person who's really on the ground doing outreach and getting to get people to sort of contact each other again. But um, no, that, that's really about over to you. I'm, I'm flagging up your, your venture. <laughs> that's fine. Thank you, Sharon. So connect... <laughs> I'm going to go to see Grace, speak to Grace, and then we'll, we'll, we'll deliver you on some more information or some more awareness training. As someone who actually recently took part in a debate in feminism in, in Camden with um, a, you know, a whole group that was like just post-COVID out, out you know, facing a venue of people. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm becoming aware that we really need to, to carry on with this, with this, um, fight against hatred of, of, of women and abuse, and there's still a lot of it going on, a lot more than people realize. Um, and despite the feminist moves in terms of pay and, and certain rights, um, there's still a lot of abuse going on out there, and um, people need to feel that they're not to be blamed for it, and they need to, to um, feel they have a right to be treated with respect and dignity. So organizations like yours, Grace, you know, is a great place those people to come out and, and um, to join a community and, and to feel supported. Thank you, Sharon. Actually, you're quite right. That's why I'm so passionate about this because I believe women are entitled to healing, to wholeness, and to their freedom. And that is why this uh, podcast is you know, very vital for women out there. If you enjoyed this episode, Kindly subscribe to the podcast, share and comment. You can reach us at risingaboveshadowsofabuse at gmail.com and our social media platforms. Comment, share it and see you on our next episode. Thank you. Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast with Grace Offbach.